there, and welcome to the first episode of Beyond the Payment, an Affinipay podcast in which we plan to take you beyond the payment. In this pod, we'll dive into the world of Affinipay's integrated partner ecosystem and get to know the people behind the tech companies. Affinipay is the parent company of leading payment provider brands LawPay, CPA Charge, Affinipay for Associations, Design Pay, and Client Pay. From understanding features to knowing someone's favorite candy, our hope is that you get a taste of everything that happens beyond the payment. My name is Amanda Hike, and welcome to episode one, where I sit down and chat with George Saharis from Clio. This audio is pulled from a previously recorded interview, but without further ado, here's the first episode of Beyond the Payment. George, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great, great to be here. Yeah, definitely. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, we try to use the partner spotlight to learn more about the LawPay partners, both about their products, but also about the people. So to start, George, I'd love to get a few stats so that our audience can learn a little bit more about you. Um, can you tell us what is your title and a brief overview of what you do for Clio? For sure. So I am the chief operating officer at Clio. And I've had the pleasure of being with the Clio team for just over 10 years. Uh, I've had many different roles, but in this current one, uh, I, I work on strategic partnerships. I'm doing a lot of thought leadership in the legal market. Uh, I work in a function called business operations. So this is where we house uh, data science, uh, cross-company goal and project management, uh, and also a variety of different functions that support other teams from the data and operational side within Clio. Uh, and within that group is a team that works with multiple departments at Clio to produce what we know as the Legal Trends Report, which is this major annual study. Uh, one of the things I get to work on, but also talk about a lot uh, in, in connecting with the profession. Great. And what's your hometown and also where do you live currently? So my hometown is Vancouver, BC, Canada. Uh, a lot of us here at Clio are originally from the area and the company is uh, originally founded here. I currently live just over uh, a, an inlet basically from there in a community called North Vancouver, an area called Deep Cove. Uh, so pretty close to home, uh, not exactly where I grew up, but in uh, another neighborhood in the same area. Pretty close. Um, and where did you go to school and what did you study? I went to the University of British Columbia, so that's our big college here, what you'd consider a Canadian version of a state college here in town. Uh, I studied actual political science and history in undergrad with the intent of uh, doing the LSAT and going to law school uh, and changed my mind and ended up getting a bit of work experience and then completing a, an MBA uh, and going into, into business and very shortly thereafter joined the, uh, the Clio team. Great. Uh, any personal details you'd like to share about yourself? Pets, partner, family, hobbies? <clears throat> Great one. I am married to my lovely wife, Maggie, uh, who is here, literally here at home with me right now. And we have a beautiful four-year-old. <laughs> tell her Amanda says hi. Uh, yeah. I tried to tell him to keep it down. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and we have a, a beautiful four-year-old daughter named Evie, uh, who lives with us as well. On the uh, hobby side, lots, but the one that I can't always not mention is I played soccer all my life. Uh, and I still do. Uh, and... Uh, Man, I've needed it more than ever uh, when I can here during this time where we're all, uh, you know, sheltering in place and, and working from home. It's nice to even uh, get outside and I've started uh, actually indoctrinating my daughter who even at four is doing soccer drills in our backyard. 
uh, much to no doubt. <laughs> our neighbor's dismay. Yep. Great. Well, my next question was about your passion outside of work and family, but it sounds like soccer, soccer, and soccer covers that. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Great. And I can't imagine that anyone who's joining us today has never heard of Clio, but I do think it would be interesting to hear from you in just a couple sentences. What is Clio? Yeah, Clio is a legal practice management platform. Uh, it's designed to do everything from intake to invoicing, uh, and in recent years has expanded to be a multi-product offering where we look to do everything a law firm needs to both deliver a client experience, uh, but also to run their firm uh, in a variety of products. We have Clio Grow, uh, we have Clio Manage, we have a whole app ecosystem of partners, and key amongst them for us is our very important partnership with LawPay. Where we've joined forces for a number of years to work together to make it easier than ever to use electronic payments and credit card processing as the primary way that firms accept payments. Very good. I recently heard someone describe Clio as the operating system for a law firm, which I thought made a lot of sense to me. You guys have, have kind of moved beyond software and into the realm of really being an indispensable tool that firms um, almost have to have to, to manage their practice. So. Um, we're going to now move kind of more into a conversation about the legal trends report, which George mentioned um, a little bit in his intro, but um, could you share just a little bit more on the background and history of the legal trends report? Um, where does the data come from? How is it analyzed? And, um, you know, maybe anything particular having to do with COVID this year that, that um, influenced what we got. Yeah, my favorite topic uh, year over year to talk about. So we have published a, what we consider an industry benchmark study and the only one of its type that's available for the legal profession uh, for five years now. So uh, we started doing this in 2016 uh, and of course followed suit with our, our 2020 publication. What we're able to do is aggregate and anonymize uh, real life insights and data points from law firms out in the field. Uh, these include their billable information, like how many total aggregate hours across the profession we're seeing billed, and they're aggregated in a way that protects their privacy and anonymity. And we've done this always from day one to provide a unique information source. Uh, early days at Clio, we'd have people even calling in, for example, on our support line and saying, hey, I'm opening up a new firm in, in Texas or in California. How much should I charge by the hour? And obviously, <laughs> our support team's like, <laughs> Sounds like a, a question for your bar or something, but we realized there is no citable information source. And typically those that existed were self-reported survey information that primarily was for lar from large firms. and was also really prone to something that uh, the stats industry calls social desirability bias, where when you ask people like, how many hours a day do you put toward billables? It's kind of like asking them, how much do you make in a year? How much do you weigh and how tall are you? you kind of get the answer they think they should give you sometimes as opposed to what a measurement uh, directly might give you. And so we opted to fill in the latter and in doing so over the years have, I think, uncovered some surprises and some uncomfortable truths and insights. We've always used those as a springboard to not only report the bad news, but try to find the real game-changing insights. Like what's working? What's innovating? Uh, who's, who's being really successful out there in ways that we can track and so to do that, we often combine these very, very high level insights that go across the whole profession and the whole market uh, with qualitative insights that we then dig deeper on. So we follow up with surveys of legal professionals and lawyers and also clients. 
uh, both people who are prospective clients and have never retained a lawyer and those who have to see what they're thinking about. And each year we come back with uh, really interesting insights and are able to kind of build one year on the next. And a major part of that story and, and where a lot of this began in the first year for us was we noticed that law firms at the end of the day collect on only less than two hours of an eight hour work day. If we ask them that, they don't think that, <laughs> but when we do the analysis and report it back to them, it becomes quite clear that, you know, on an average eight hour workday, the typical lawyer out there is getting paid <clears throat> for less than two hours of that time. And so that was a springboard. We got super curious and where we've landed in COVID obviously is in a year unlike any other. So our typical jam is we do this big analysis. We come back to the profession at our annual Clio cloud conference and kind of drop the insights uh, that have accrued over the last year. And this year we decided to do it differently. The impacts and the pain and the pandemonium out there were immediate. Mm -hmm. We thought if we can be of service to the profession by not waiting to publish, but by publishing early and often, uh, and even on a more kind of rolling weekly basis, we'll have more impact and we'll help people find clarity. And so where we landed was in publishing the impact of COVID briefing that we do live webinars on uh, and report back as things were developing, especially early on, earlier on in uh, April, May, and June. Uh, but we then worked those into a broader update that was published in this year's Legal Trends Report. Great. Um, and what stood out this year in the Legal Trends Report, um, if you don't mind, especially in terms of how firms are getting paid? Yeah, I mean, uh, what stood out first was how immediate the impact of the pandemic was and how it was felt across the, the profession. So we saw as much as 40 or 50% declines in week over week matter intake volumes and so new business start to hit almost right away. It was definitely, you know, felt more in some geographies and in some practice areas than others. And the details are all available for free online and, and broken out if anybody wants to check them out. Uh, for example, traffic offenses in some weeks saw as much as a 70% decrease versus before the pandemic in new business, which is devastating. And within that, we saw people start to take this kind of trailing hit on how much they were collecting in terms of revenue. So they were able to get by for a little while on uh, works in progress, on receivables they might have had, but eventually they started to feel those impacts probably about six to eight weeks later uh, on the, the top line revenue side. But we also decided, hey, it's not just our job to report the bad news and kind of what everybody already knows and is feeling very directly out there. What, what can we find that's helpful? What can we find that shows clarity on the path forward? And that's where we got into looking at firms that had already deployed online payments in addition to a couple of other client-facing technologies, things that their, their own clients engage with uh, when doing business with them and found both individual gains, but also what we call these aggregating marginal gains, where if you do all of these things, you can collect as much as 40% more revenue. And we saw firms, in, even in the middle of this crisis, collecting 40% more revenue per lawyer uh, when they had implemented these three technologies with online payments being uh, the key one among them. So pretty crazy to see, and uh, obviously a big indicator for us of where to look for things that were helping people adapt and be, I don't think anyone feels super successful in this time, but obviously some folks are feeling more adaptable and, and resilient uh, than, than others. Yeah, great. Um, speaking of adaptable, right? Almost every business and law firm was kind of forced to start working from home and went virtual. Do you see any um, trends in terms of virtual law offices 
you know, becoming more prevalent in the future, you know, regardless of what happens with the pandemic and the ability to go back to a brick and mortar office. For sure. I think we're going to see obviously some pandemic driven trends, but also some patterns that make it so that the normal we're going back to is not the normal that we left behind. One of the things we've reported on year over year is in our typical story in the legal trends report is you've got clients' preferences and perceptions over here, you've got lawyer client uh, lawyer perceptions uh, over here, and there's this huge gap between how they're both expecting it to work when they when they collaborate and, and work together. This year, we saw them list identical preferences. Lawyers cared about the same things, clients cared about the same things, and dead last on that list was a commercial office space. Your clients right now, for obvious reasons, don't really care about your nice marble. We'd call it a foyer in Canada. You guys say foyer, but I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm sorry. We all learn a little bit of French in high school, so we can't, we can't walk it back. So, you know, they don't care about your marble lobby entrance and the artwork hanging there. They, they care about whether or not they can collaborate with you right now online and whether they're getting a good, expedient, frictionless experience. And part of that is, no, I'm not going to go to the bank and pick up checks and come and mail them or head drop them off somewhere. I demand that I'm able to pay you online. Uh, which is still not the norm uh, for the typical law firm out there and still a source of innovation. Now, what's interesting is lawyers have said in all the surveying we've done this year, we totally get that and that's exactly what we're doing. The gap that's left is that that's not what clients are expecting of them. So in their minds, uh, for example, 33% of clients reported that they thought their law firms would be closed in the early stages of the pandemic. Only 2% of law firms reported that they had closed up shop and weren't operating. So just as simple as it might seem, the obvious stuff like we're open uh, on your website <laughs> or courts are still open and proceeding, so don't assume we're closed. Mm -hmm. And with it, of course, the ability to pay electronically and more flexibly at a time when you're being economically impacted jumped out as some of the key things that innovative firms were doing and, and adaptive firms were doing versus those that weren't. Yeah, interesting. Another gap that I believe was called out in the Legal Trends Report, similar, similarly, maybe a perception issue was the discrepancy between firms that accept credit cards and awareness from their potential customers who think they do. What advice or learnings do you have to share that um, how to help um, firms let their clients and future clients know that they do take credit cards and online payment? That's a, it's a great call out. And we, we put that into a category we describe as delivering a client experience and positioning it as a client experience journey. And often the path to getting great clients, but also getting those reviews that, you know, drive future business that everybody goes and consults is not only obviously the substantive legal work that you have to do and getting your client the results or the advice that they need. It's also setting and delivering on this client experience and how someone processes payment is a key embedded part of that. But often lawyers forget this gap that we're seeing is they forget to make that obvious to people who might be thinking about it, but aren't jumping in. And so on your website, or even as you, in a classic marketing sense, we call this packaging and positioning, right? A couple of those four Ps uh, that all marketers learn about, but that none of lawyers do uh, in their training. It's not just a matter of putting yourself out there and saying, this is the kind of work I do. It's also, positioning how it's going to work and setting those client expectations. And if you can do the simple things of communicating that to them up front, I think it'll convert more business of people who might be a good fit and it'll also make them more satisfied with the experience they've had and more likely to give you those positive reviews, those referrals and repeat business such that it's applicable. And it's just such a key part of that that seems, I think, from the lawyer's perspective to be a small step in the journey, 
but can be this massive friction point uh, for clients who are accustomed, by the way, to that convenience everywhere else they buy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of table stakes in the rest of the world, but actually still uh, innovative uh, as far as law firms go. Hi, listeners. Thanks for joining Beyond the Payment. I hope you're enjoying this pre-recorded episode from 2020. Coming soon, we'll be releasing fresh cuts recorded this year. Like and subscribe so you don't miss out on those. And stick around. The lightning round is ahead where I put my guests in the hot seat. Are you ready? Are you up for playing the lightning round? Just spray some water on my face. Yeah, yeah. Stretch out a little bit. Um, All right. I've got 10 questions. Um, Rapid fire coming your way. Do the best you can. All right. Got it. You ready? Ready. Three, two, one. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pizza. Beach or mountain vacation? Beach. Favorite legal tech event? Clear Cloud Conference. I know. Gotta be that. <laughs> <laughs> what is your dream car? Oh, only one. Uh, probably only. at the moment, uh, Ferrari 480. Nice. And your favorite candy to eat on road trips in that car? <laughs> also really tough for me to narrow it down but it's got to be sour keys i think you guys don't have these or aren't too familiar with these in the states but look them up canadian bulk candy sour just like something sour and a key like literally a key for door sour keys check them out okay all right favorite sports team vancouver canucks all right yeah best clio feature do you have a favorite it's got to be the insights dashboard that shows you your legal trends report uh, kpis and then Clio Payments? And then Clio Payments. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is not a trick question, but do you remember who was your first friend at LaPay? My first friend at LaPay, I will never forget. It was Lloyd, who I ran into uh, oh. in Oklahoma. <laughs> and uh, yeah, always a story behind that one. But we were, uh, yeah. yeah, at the Oklahoma bar solo and small firm conference and uh, i would consider him don't don't tell him because he's going to get super egotistical about it but i consider him my first latte friend first latte friend well lloyd will be happy to hear that George. I expect thank you, you so much for doing this uh that's the conclusion of the lightning round you did great um thanks for being such a great sport and thank you so much for all this great info and digging in with us just a little bit into the legal trends report Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Beyond the Payment. I want to thank my co-producers, Keely Leonard and Jen Curtis, and a round of applause for Ryan Berry, who wrote our original theme song. If you liked what you listened to today, please like and subscribe to Beyond the Payment. Thanks again for listening. I'm Amanda Hike. We'll catch you next time.